Welcome back to the Surush Podcast. We are continuing on with the Battle of Amritsar. The first battle in Sikh history. Last chapter ended with a Sikh of Guru Hargob and Nanda fighting with Mirza Beg. They both ended up wrestling, getting shot in some volley fire. So chapter 12 now begins describing how Guru Hargobind's forces were now attacking the enemy from two sides. Bandai Khan, Bidhi Chand, and the lot had come up from the south side, charging on the Mughal army as Guru Hargobind pulled back and dragged the Mughal forces into this ambush. The battle was a mess. Countless were laying injured or dead. Many had fled as well. Guru Hargobind, the great warrior, was just piling bodies on bodies in great rage on the battlefield. There was Udul Dao from the Hari village. There was also the Hare clan fighting there with their leader Amiya. There was Mohru from the Randava clan. There was the great warrior Mohan and Gopalla, who were just such resolute warriors. There was Jata, Tota, Kishan, Nihalu. There was Paraga as well, the great fighter. There was Taktu, Deal, Taloka, the formidable fighter. There was Devidas, Ananta, Hira. There was Pera, there was also others there as well. How can we count all the commanders of the forces of Guru Hargobind? Jati Malik was there as well, Singapurot's son. He was an extremely formidable warrior as well. He was the Parot of the Sordi clan. So Parot meaning they would perform all the rites of passage for ceremonies, etc. Guru Gobind Singh himself writes about Jati Malik's son, Dayaram, in his Bajitranatak, about the bravery he displayed in the battlefield of Pangani comparing him to the bravery of Dronacharya from the Mahavarata. So here, we had previously heard of Singapurot's feats in battle, how he had obtained a Shahidi in the battlefield. Jati Maluk, his son, he's a tenacious warrior as well, and he is fighting in this battle as well. So there are other greats as well, Jetha, Bidichand, such strong warriors. But no one was stronger than Pandey Khan, who was there as well. Babak Rababi was there as well, so in addition to performing Asadivad in the morning, Babak Rababi was a fierce warrior. Here in the text it mentions he would continually be training in the science of weapons, Ayodhya. And at this time he was just enraged, drenched in the color of war, ferociously wielding his karpan, his sword. And on the other side you had people like Lulfulaha Khan, the brave, who Shah Jahan kept close with great respect. There was Ismail Khan, who was a leader of a battalion who was very skillful in conducting warfare. There was Dunde Khan, Bahadur Khan, many other great strong Pathan warriors as well. There were the Sayyids there as well, the Dar Ali, Bali Beg, and the great Dal Beg. So in addition to the Pathan and the Sayyid warriors, there were Mughal warriors there as well. So just as a little aside here, these represent different ethnic groups. Essentially, the Pathans are from Afghanistan. They would usually have Khan in their name. The Sayyids are those from the lineage back to Prophet Muhammad. They would usually have Ali at the end of their name. The Mughals, who were ethnically Mongol Turk, they would have Beg or Mirza in their name. So these were the components of the enemy army, which were in the thousands. Both sides were now fighting each other. Both of the beautiful warriors, Pandekhan and Bidichan, charged in, providing support, ambushing the Mughal forces who were pressing in over enthusiastically. Bidichan and Pandekhan were enraged, but they charged at the enemy, which was like an ocean. And these two were like alligators. They were like Nahangs, Magramach, causing havoc in the water. 
they fired off their guns, passed them to the helpers alongside, and then grabbed spears, lifting them high, and they came down on their opponent like a hungry hawk. They were just throwing soldiers down from their horses, knocking them down, impaling others with their spear. They were pulling back the spear and then making the enemies drop off their horses. They were speeding along in their fast horses while thrusting, hitting enemies, pushing, checking them with their, even their own horse. When enemy fell off, they were trampled. They weren't allowed to get back up. At that point, Bandika had reached such a rage in the battlefield. He just got off his horse. He held his large sword, and in his other hand, he had a large shield. And in positioning and moving around, jumping around, he was just decimating people. He was striking them down and down again with his sword, sometimes smashing them with his shield. He was knocking people down, sometimes kicking their leg, striking their leg, making them fall before him. And then he would just place his sword back in his sheath, and he was just smashing people with his shield only. While with his other hand, he was holding the reins of his horse to bring his horse with him as he was wreaking all this havoc. Sometimes he would just grab somebody's leg as they rode by, just above the ankle, and just whip them down to the ground and then just stomp them until they died. It was so horrific. The enemy saw this and nobody wanted to go near Bandicam. They just tried to stay far, they tried to shoot with their rifles. At that point, Bandicam mounted back up on his horse, he grabbed his rifle and began firing back. The Pratans, the Mughal forces, were furious. They were lifting their rifles, firing at the six, injuring and killing many of them. Mughal was charging in though with his warriors who were striking down with their swords, finishing them off. These tenacious warriors were just dropping the enemies, slicing them up, they were falling off their horses. They would strike down so hard it would chop the horse as well. These warriors were killed, they left, all worry behind and they mounted up on their vehicles into the afterlife and taking them into the next realm. So some headless bodies were spinning around before falling on the ground. Everybody was yelling kill, kill while striking down with their swords, cutting down across bodies, cutting arms, hands, fingers off, heads were falling off, bodies were hitting the floor, some faces were split open in half, legs were cut off straight right above the knee. These dead bodies were piling up and jackals were coming there to eat them up along with the mythic joganis who were like devils burping after being satisfied. Big vultures and other birds like crows were coming down from the sky to eat the meat. Blood was glistening, just streaming out of the dead bodies. There were just so many dead bodies piled up. Horses were riding around without riders on top of them. The warriors from both sides were not giving up any ground fighting fiercely and courageously, striking down with their weapons. There were thousands that Guru Hargobind had killed just at that point with his arrows. He was pulling back his bow, letting these vicious wide Damascus arrows out with such force that when it would hit the enemy, even the horse would fall from the arrow after the arrow went through the enemy. That person who was hit, he didn't have any chance to beg for water, he couldn't even breathe after getting hit. It was such a fierce war. that. At that point, all the cowards had taken off. All the beautiful, stunning warriors were not giving up ground. They were fighting in great pride and honor. They challenged, yelled out, struck down. Many were killed, but they didn't give up their resolve. So now the Bhutan side had put some more pressure on. They were yelling at each other, saying, why are we not capturing them? They're so little. So with their swords, 
they rode forward, coming towards Guru Hargobind. But right away, Tota, Taloka, Ananta, Nahalu, these four warriors, they were so enraged that they saw these warriors coming towards Guru Hargobind that they went ahead of Guru Hargobind, even though there were thousands of enemies. They charged in front of the enemy commander, letting off their rifles, all shooting at once. It was as if thunder and lightning had struck the ground. Many had their faces blown apart, some their bones broken. Some very strong warriors had their thick arms cut off, looking like massive tree branches just laying around the battlefield. Such tenacious and proud warriors were now spinning on the battlefield before hitting the ground. Many others were headless. Both sides were letting off their rifles, lighting their match, putting the gunpowder and bullets down the barrel before lighting up the rifle. Warriors were falling off horses like ripe fruit falling off a tree. There were many in the Mughal army, even Rohele, an Afghani tribe. They were holding swords and pounced forward. They were also Daudazis, who were also a Pashtun or Pratan tribe. They also came in front of Guru Hargobind. But Nahalu, Taloka and all of them, they went in front of Guru Hargobind, letting off their rifles, stopping the enemy troops from advancing. But there were just so many enemies that they just streamed forward even more, even after many were killed. That's when the warriors of Tota and Ananta came forward, taking out their swords, abandoning their rifles as it was getting close combat. Still, from the back though, of the forces, people were shooting off rifles and letting arrows fly. As both sides clashed, it now became close combat fighting. Grappling, wrestling, showing their skill in fighting, pushing and pulling each other while striking down with long swords. The battle drums in the back were sounding off on a double beat. The dolls were sounding off so loudly. In such close quarter combat, they were showing their skill off in movement and striking. And one of the enemy commanders, Balibeg, he came forward towards Toloka. Toloka swung his long sword, Karachol, and just ripped, sawed Balibeg in half, who then fell to the floor. Balibeg's brother saw this and came running, thrusting his spear at Toloka, who took it in the throat, but didn't give up his anger even though he fell to the ground, obtaining Shahidi. Tota saw this, he rushed forward, but Balibeg's brother took his spear and tried to retreat a little. Tota called out to him saying, why are you running away? Take my strike. And immediately he let off his rifle, aiming it and just blasted that guy right in the forehead, killing him. At that point, Zana Khan both saw Balibeg and his brother die, that those two senior commanders of him, of his, had been taken out. He immediately rushed towards Tota. He was yelling at Tota, saying, where are you going? You won't be saved from me. Tota, the great warrior, took out his sword, and when Zankan came close, he cut across and chopped off his head. Zankan was still holding onto his sword when he fell to the ground off his horse. When the Malaysia, the barbarian army, saw this, that the Tota had killed two of their very senior commanders, they just let off volley fire all at once, which hit Tota. He fell, but he was still enraged in his mind. Ananta and Halu were also enraged and were roaming around the battlefield like tigers. They were striking down with their weapons in front of Guru Hargobind. They had merged in the battle lines of the enemy. They were cutting them down from within, just piling bodies on bodies of the most strong and beautiful warriors. They had created such havoc there amidst all the enemy lines, fiercely just ripping them up chopping down the limbs of the warriors, just brilliantly waging war, killing the bloodthirsty Khans who were just imbued with his bloodlust. Guru Hargobind seeing these two warriors fighting within the enemy lines, 
He was so happy. He shouted out, Sadu, Sadu, meaning Shabash, Shabash, well done, well done. The other enemy commander, Bahadur Khan, when he saw these two warriors, the Guru Hargobind fighting and destroying it up, he just ordered some volley fire in that area, which ended up killing many. That volley fire hit, and everybody in that area just dropped as if it was like somebody put a spell on that area. Guru Hargobind, he was in great bliss. He yelled out to his warriors, kill these Malaysh barbarian warriors. And hearing this call out, the warriors, the six of Guru Hargobind, rushed forward, letting off their rifles before then grabbing their swords and in great anger, meeting with the enemy troops, striking them down. It was just like in the months of Paddong, around monsoon time in August, uh, the clouds, you see these streaks of lightning. In the same way, with this cloud of sick warriors, within that you see these streaks of flashing from the exalted Shamsher swords. Some of the swords were red with blood. It looked like the tongue of death, Gaul itself, had just eaten some pan leaf. So Bahadur Khan, he rushed towards that area where Nahalu and Ananta had created such a commotion. Nahalu had killed many, but from that volley fire he was injured and he died on the ground. The great warrior Ananta though, he was still alive and he was enraged. Taking his kirpan, he struck at Bahadur Khan. It ripped off his shoulder and arm. Bahadur Khan then fell to the ground and went unconscious. The rest of the army though, they saw Ananta striking at Bahadur Khan and they came at him, killing him. But this was just the way in which these four stunning warriors of Guru Hargun, Tota, Taloka, Ananta, and Halu died with such resolve in the battlefield while fighting the Turks. That's how chapter 12 concludes. In the next chapter, we're going to continue on with the Battle of Amatsura. So that's where we're going to pick up next time. But as always, I'd like to thank those who have been supporting the podcast through the Mangla Charm Patreon page. Oh, <laughs> <laughs>